My name is Joshua Turpin. And I'm Abigail Williams. Last time we sort of left you off on the note because we were running a bit uh, over time or what we what I was expecting at least. Previously um, on, on learning childhood, the history of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's a pretty hefty topic that we're going to continue. Oh boy. Uh, because we're not to done yet. We're not even to the 1500s yet. Yeah, uh, I've been looking at your very, very intensive... Um, timeline and i was like where are we again yeah like i I actually uh just listened to the end of it to figure out like where i was it is so much you know like we're taught in sunday school like the bible was given by god and that's the end and it's just like perfect it's like what do you mean by the bible okay i think i found where we were but yeah Uh, yeah, starting with the reformation yes Uh, i will say that i added a few notes from last time uh, to what we're going to talk about that I learned just within the last seven days. Oh, so you know, constantly learning new things, and uh, I think it's useful. It's, it's sort of how the thing I added is how we went from eighty-one books to sixty-six books. Oh, because you know, as you said, we whenever we read the whenever we just have the Bible, uh, you and I often think of it of those six and those 66 books yeah but we the like, reality memorize them all right we had to memorize all 66 books but it turns out nobody actually knows why there are 66 books and we'll get there <laughs> you would think they would have had like 77 or something because that's a it's a holier number right well uh, it's all up to uh, one person her name is jane aitken she she's the reason that we have uh, 66 books but you know we'll huh? what was what? that oh i just I, heard it uh <laughs> i don't know i clicked on something and there was an ad i didn't mean to <laughs> click on something i was trying to like my my computer's being touchy because i need to update it oh okay yeah no. do that yeah i will not right it. now right I'm i'm very picky about my uh updating everything because i know how easy it is to hack something if you're not using the latest version and so i'm like oh ignore 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 yeah i should get on that okay so jane atkin aitken well we're gonna we're gonna back up we're backing up that was the thing i learned oh okay okay Okay. so backing all the way up to martin luther okay Uh, what do what do you know about martin luther before you actually like look at what I have written down. Oh, what do you before, know about he's Luther? the, it's not Martin Luther King Jr. This is the Martin Luther King who nailed his 95 theses to the door. And he's not Martin Luther whole, King. Yeah, just not Martin, Martin Luther. Luther King, just Martin Luther. Yeah. Martin Luther's the one. He's like the monk. I feel like he got struck by lightning, but I might just be imagining things. Um, uh, that's related. Uh, yeah. He didn't get struck by lightning, but there's, uh, there's lightning? a story related. Oh. There is lightning. Okay, I'm not crazy. I'm like, I don't know, it's lightning me. Uh, but no, like he had his 95 theses. He like hammered them to the wall of the Catholic Church and was like, because they were selling their things like bonds. It wasn't bonds, but it was like with their 
indulgences. indulgences yes like they're you know yeah. prayer things anyways and he's like that's not ethical and here's my 95 theses and it started the protestant reformation in 1500s yeah so three that got struck by lightning yeah so so the the struck by lightning part what happened with that is he was studying to be something else i don't remember probably a lawyer or something that's mm-hmm. usually how it goes um but he was uh gosh my friend life would absolutely be upset at me right now because <laughs> i don't actually know the story he's a Lutheran. so uh martin luther was walking on the road there was a bad thunderstorm mm-hmm. and he was scared he told god that if god lets him survive this storm he will go become a monk and so he survived the storm so he went and become a became a monk oh, how convenient yeah at least he actually followed through you know that's true that's true yeah. uh, and then second the the 95 theses just to you know it's often talked about as if it was like this big huge thing yeah, uh, martin luther theses. wasn't trying to separate from the church he wasn't trying to he was just trying to actually there's another person at the same time named erasmus who remained a catholic the name sounds familiar yeah. Yeah, we learned about it in Western thought. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Erasmus also criticized the church, but he was not excommunicated like Martin Luther was. Okay. And so the 95 Theses were just 95 different ways of restating indulgences are immoral, uh, or the Catholic Church should not be selling indulgences or whatever. Just 95 different versions. So somebody can come up and choose which one to debate the indulgences for Cusco's Cusco's indulgences, the indulgences (laughs) designed specifically for Cusco. Right. Yeah. I did a map for it. So, so, you know, Martin Luther gets excommunicated. There there are more reasons than just the 95 theses for that. He was also began challenging the Catholic church in different ways and developing a different theology, which, uh, for not necessarily related to what we're talking about, but very, very closely related mm-hmm. is uh, that his concept of sola scriptura, sola which is scriptura. The, scriptura? the scripture alone. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for Martin Luther, you go to quote unquote, the scripture alone. And uh, our tradition actually follows through with that and saying the scripture alone, don't focus on tradition, don't focus on theology. You go to the scripture and the Bible will just tell you. Yeah. And but that's, that's not what he meant by it. Okay. Did he also uh, like he, have a thing with um, the iconography? Is he uh, I don't know about that. Because that also sounds kind of sola scriptura of, you know, like, yeah. oh, you can't have your icons and, you know, that's bad. That's, uh, that's yeah. idolatry. His focus was more on, uh, at that time, it was more accepted than it is now, although technically it is still Catholic doctrine, that anything the Pope says is true is true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, as I said, I don't think everybody actually holds to that, uh, but it is part of stated Catholic doctrine, uh, which gets really problematic when you have popes disagreeing with each other yeah Uh, so what he was challenging with the sola scriptura was sort of that concept okay and he also has the saved by grace 
not by works. That was a big deal for him. Gotcha. Looking at my notes. He translated. So he was not the first person to translate uh, the Bible into a non-Latin language, but it was forbidden to do so by the Catholic Church at the time that he was there. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, go ahead. Did he work with the printing press guy? Who's the printing press uh, guy? I believe the uh, printing press guy came later. I actually don't know. Who's the printing press uh, guy? I'm Gutenberg. Googling the. Yes, Johann Gutenberg. Yeah. Because I remember that was a big thing. Um, if you do Google the printing press guy, it does bring up the Wikipedia page for Johann Gutenberg. Um, you got a great cool name. But yeah, so. I was thinking, because you said, like, first, because I know Gutenberg was also important for, like, the Gutenberg Bible and, like, making the Bible accessible to other people. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So he translated it into... Yeah. Uh, And he also wrote, uh, we have copies of these, that he wanted to remove Esther, and he wanted to remove James, and he wanted to remove some other books. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, partially because James was too focused on the practicality of stuff. And it's you're saved by grace, not by works. And James is very focused on works. Mm. And then Esther doesn't mention God at all. Oh, how terrible. And there there are very other things. He also said that uh, Esther was too Jewish. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in your notes. That's that's problematic for sure. It is problematic. He was very anti-Semitic. But you also have to think of it at this time period. This is sort of related to, I'm in a class called Before Race and Religion. Oh. And so this is sort of, it is. So this whole thing actually sort of happened before religion as a concept, as we think about it, existed. Mm -hmm. Or just at the start of it coming into existence. Uh, Because this was like just over 40 years after Columbus visited, uh, quote unquote, discovered what we now call the United States. Yeah. Or the Caribbean islands. So uh, back in 14 Martin Luther also ha- also said like essentially Jews should be killed or enslaved and right. also right. anybody who rebelled against their lords like actual lords in Germany they should if if you rebel against them you should be killed uh, he, he was I think I think his language was more like hunted like dogs. Yeah, your your notes say murdered like dogs. And I was just yeah. like, great, great. One, you shouldn't be murdering dogs. <laughs> Two, like, right. great, no, this isn't mm, yeah, it's very problematic, very um yeah. hierarchical and yeah. kind of, I mean, you said this was before racism, but like whatever in your religion racism class, like this is kind of racist. This is kind of classist. Whenever you think about it don't think of it in terms of, of like we think of race and religion think about it in terms of this is our group and so we're all supposed to act like this mm. and so the person in charge of our group is like this and so the person it was the the lords of the provinces who decided what whether their underlings followed luther or calvin or zwingli or whatever group or catholicism and so it was sort of like cultish uh, no, I wouldn't say that. It, but it, it was uh, part of their actual personal identity was uh, like you and I. It's like, oh, we're white. We are given gender. And also we are Christian, right? It's just part of the general in-group identity. Gotcha. And so if you were politics and religion and all that, it's all the same. 
racism, ethnocentrism, and this time period, it's all sort of the same. Okay. Uh, and I, I mention all this not because uh, I want to like throw dirt on Luther, just saying whenever we talk about these characters in the past, we can't just hold them up as heroes. We also have to specifically state how we the bad things they did as well so we uh we can't uncritically praise someone yeah you want to make sure you know you're not i don't know yeah there's you had to acknowledge the problematic parts because if you just like gloss over it then it looks suspicious and it's just like "Mm," you know and really the decision on what we talk about or the decision to not talk about the bad parts or to talk about the good parts or to talk about the bad parts is very politically oriented. It's, it's trying to create a specific image in your head. So you will follow a certain idea. Gotcha. So to try to say, Hey, this is the good, this is the bad. Now you have more full information and I'm not trying to hide anything from you. So you can Mm -hmm. decide. Makes sense. Uh, now, for us uh, in the United States, and for you and I specifically, we grew up, we're going to turn quickly to the American Revolution several Yay. hundred years later. Uh, so, with the American Revolution, it's important to remember that uh, the king had, I think it was King Henry VIII, had separated himself from the Catholic Church. Because he wanted to and, divorce his wife and he couldn't, so he just... Right made a new church the anglican church because yeah. he wanted to get a divorce yeah which it, the, the church was very catholic in its makeup it was just you know a different form and also the king divorces. was the head of the church yeah uh, and the king was the head of the church as well so that's also important to remember because in the american revolution when you are rebelling against the king you are necessarily also rebelling against the Anglican Church. Oh. When you need more Bibles, you can't go ask the king who you just rebelled against, right? Yeah. So you have to yeah. make your own. And so uh, Jane, as I mentioned, Jane Aitken in 1782 published a Bible with 66 books instead of 81, and nobody knows why. There are speculations, but nobody knows. So that's that's just one one person and the people who worked under her. It's interesting that it was like you know a woman who did that. Just you know, yeah. usually the religion uh-huh. is kind of like you know white men doing stuff. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, very progressive yeah. for the time. She to what for whatever reason, she is the person who decided that the Bibles that you and I read growing up only had sixty six books. So weird. Yeah. Martin Luther would have never taken the books out, even though he despised them. He's like, no, this, these are the sacred books. We can't just get rid of them. Uh, she did. I'm sure she had her reasons. I'm willing to bet they were good reasons, but we don't know. Uh, are the ones she took out anyway. the ones that are in the Apocrypha? Uh, the Deuterocanonical books. Uh, what? Deuterocanonical books which are the others. So, so there's the Apocrypha. That's one way to call them. I prefer to call them the Deuterocanonical books. Deutero. Okay. It's the same because word as Apocrypha. Apocrypha. Uh, I, I don't, I don't actually I mean, know. I think they're the same thing. Okay. I can... uh, but um, I say Deuterocanonical, which just means second canon. Okay. As a way to signify 
that they are also part of the canon. I believe the agreement or whatever the discussions about it around that time and a little bit before were uh, these are valuable, important, sacred. They do not rise to the same level as the other books in terms of where you can draw your theology. Okay. So you can't draw. Uh, so they're they're important. You just can't draw your theology from them, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. So that's that's why it's deuterocanonical, and I prefer and apro- apocrypha is used more to say, oh, they're just not any of those sixty six books. When, okay. as we just discussed, we don't know why. Yeah. They're, like somebody just decided to put, pull them out, and that's how it goes. Probably because it had like dragons in them that were cool. <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, in 1791, Collins, whoever that is, uh, put them back in. Uh, they, they were publishing their own KGV. And so that's why some American Bibles have 66 books and some have 81. Hmm. Most have 66. Uh, as far as we know, but I think uh, Episcopalian Bibles and the new revised standard version published by Harper Collins has all of them. Huh. And yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's part of the reason why NRSV is considered the scholarly standard. There are many better reasons for it, but that is also part of it. Is It includes a broader number. Interesting. All right, so I'm just going to... I have my notes. I don't remember if we went over them last time, because that was more than two and a half hours long. So your current Bible, what happens with it? Uh, number one. I was also like, me, what happens with it? Uh, I'm not going to ask. I was like, I I found it the other day. I was digging through some stuff Uh and I found it and it still had like, I used to, I used to chew gum during the sermon and then I would like (laughs) make little weapons out of the gum wrapper. Anyways, I found a bunch of my my Bible with like Like gum weapons, my gum weapons. Yeah. Like my gum, it was all like the Zelda weapons. So like, you know, my gum wrapper, master sword, Uh um, you know, but that's where my Bible is currently just kind of languishing at the bottom of a drawer yeah that's fine we have online bibles now exactly i can just google a bible verse (laughs) so uh contemporary bible your bible and i'm saying this to the audience and also you abby Uh, so it's largely considered to be the same version used after the barcocco revolt revolt which i mentioned uh before uh this is kept by the Masoretes, which was a Jewish group that uh, kept meticulous notes, actually added the vowel pointings that we now use to know how to pronounce the Hebrew and Aramaic. Mm. There are occasional mistakes. There are occasional corrections. So uh, sometimes they'll, uh, one letter will be at the beginning of a word, and it should have been at the end of the previous word something like that because spaces are weird and so they misunderstood it and they're just trying to do their best to do an exact copy of what was before and there there are other things and they'll have the masoretes will have notes off to the side anyway and then last time we also discussed the nestle and lawn version which is what most bibles use for their new testament now how we understand the bible and sort of how we how we scholars have been trained to uh separate the torah Mm-hmm. was created by Julius Wellhausen in 1878 and 1883. Uh, there, there were two editions. The latter edition was uh, the 
one that became the most popular, most well known. Uh, eighteen eighty three edition. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he was a known anti semite as most people were at the time. Uh, given this was less than a hundred years before World War Two and the Nazi atrocities, so. Oh, yeah. Um, That's not good. Yeah. And before I wrote these notes, uh, after I wrote these notes, uh, I attended the Society for Biblical Literature, where I heard Susan Schultz argue that what I'm about to tell you is actually an aspect of German imperialism. Uh, but anyway, he, com- he comes up with what's called the documentary hypothesis or the Belthausen hypothesis. And it's sort of, it argues that uh, the Torah comes from four groups. The J group, I'm not going to pronounce the name, it's the yod heh vav Tetragrammaton, the J group. The E group, the Elohist, or Elohim, uh, the Deuteronomist, and the Priestly, so J-E-P-D. So the J is texts, he argued, was texts from the Solomon, Solomon period, the E was texts from the northern kingdom of Israel. The Deuteronomist is from the uh, period of Josiah's rule. And the priestly was from Ezra Nehemiah slash the Persian period. This has changed. It's basically been thrown out, but it's what all new students are taught as a way to sort of get them thinking about the idea that the version of the text that we have has been changed over time and added to and taken away. And that there were multiple editors even before, like, like hundreds of years before Jesus. But we also have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which I talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. But those were also like a big, big thingy. Yeah. They were a big find because they showed that there were uh, the, the Septuagint version. Uh, there were, some of them were like, they were Hebrew versions and Greek versions um, at Qumran. There were Samaritan versions at Qumran. Uh, there were Aramaic versions at Qumran. Uh, there were Hebrew. Proto- there were also versions similar to what we use, and there were also some that we just have. Uh, we know. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but say Genesis. They had something, a version of Genesis, and it's like, oh, we have same, we have same, and then we have no texts now that are similar to what they said. Hmm, interesting. So, so whenever you ask, what is the Bible or what is Scripture? We, we don't even know. You have to ask, which version are you talking about? Yeah. But most of yeah. us don't know that there's multiple versions. So we're just thinking right. of the one version, which is, you know, the one the one that we're taught is inspired by God and um, is, you know, inerrant and um, was like just spat out the way it is right now. And there's no, right. no editing into it or yeah. changing or removing books or anything. Right. Yeah. If somebody has to translate it, somebody has to... I, I know some versions of the Bible, they had the translators translated it one way, and then the editors of that translation had to change it, or certain Christian bookstores wouldn't sell it. And so you have to, they, the Bible is not the way the translators wanted it. It was a political move to translate the Bible in this way. Political or capitalismist? Capitalist. Yes. It's a very capital. Yeah. Sounds yeah. very capitalist. Yeah. Which is exactly what Jesus wanted. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the best way to translate the Bible yeah. is to give you money. Yeah. So yeah, the way I want to think about, or the way I sort of think about uh, how the Bible came to be, is if you think about Lord of the Rings, 
I love Lord of the Rings. So, so the Lord of the Rings, yeah. Tolkien wrote it by hand. And as he was writing, he would go back and edit it a lot, which is why it took so long to come out. And then he also sent it to his son, Christopher Tolkien, for comments and for edits. Uh, and then he would go back and edit his son, son's edits. And then he typed it, and as he was typing it, he would edit it. And then he sent it to the editors, and those editors edited it. And then he had to, and then he had to say, "Yes, keep those, or actually change this, or whatever." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was published in the UK, and then a different version was published in the United States. And we have to have a different US version. It's like we don't know right. what the the philosopher's stone is, and they're just like, right. "You don't know what that is because <laughs> you're dumb, Americans." Yeah. yeah. Uh, so actually, there, there's a very important problem with uh, that Tolkien ran into when he was trying to publish it in the United States. Which is whenever he when he wrote the Lord of the Rings, he wrote dwarfs, D W A R F S for the oh. plural. And the United States editors you spell it D W A R V E S. Right. And he had to fight with them about that. And so there are some versions that are published with V E S instead of F S. That's so interesting. Like, yeah. Why was that such a why does the US spell it different? Because they they thought he was it was a mistake on his part. Okay. Good job, US. That's like, okay. Like, you can just have dwarfs be dwarfs. We're not dwarfs. Yeah, whatever. Like, if it's fantasy, it's just like, come on, let the, you know, let him have his fantasy. Lord of the Rings. I guess they didn't recognize the the full majesty of what they were beholding. Well, it's because uh, for him, as, as a linguist, uh, he was creating his own language. Yeah. And so in the in the dwarfen language of that he created, it's spelled with an FS. But it's just him. It's just a language that he created. Just a language he created. Nothing yeah. big like that. Just, right. just created his own language. Right. So yeah. That's uh, so cool. It is. Uh, so the question that leaves us with, and I'll let you ramble if you would like. Oh boy. Is how is how is this information, which you can scroll through and look yeah. at everything that we did before and whatever you remember, how does this change how you think about the Bible? Goodness gracious. So like, yeah, so going in, what I thought, you know, is like what I've been taught is just the Bible is the, you know, the inerrant word of God. It was given to us the way it is. Um you know, and so even though there are many authors, it's always been the same. And, you know, like it's always been the same for as long as it has been. And, you know, it's this is the way it is. And it's, you know, perfect. It's unerrant. And this is a version that we always have. Um, there's always been 66 books. And the apocryphal books are like, you know, oh, those are apocryphal. And, you know, only some people have them, but they're not the real Bible. But it's been so interesting because it's like I never learned that there's like, more than 66 books and like how much editing has gone into everything that's happened with the Bible and like how much, not just editing, but also like, you know, political or social meddling has happened just Mm -hmm. to, you know, you know, make things different and, you know, change things. And then it's just like, it's crazy because like, we just, we aren't taught this. We're taught like this one version is the only version, but then there's like so many different other you know, versions that we just, we aren't taught. And it's just like, we gloss over them. And I honestly feel like we're list, like we're missing stuff. It's like, 
you know, the version we get is just the the um, the movie theater version of Lord of the Rings and not the extended edition, <laughs> which is the one everyone should watch. So right. I feel like I'm like, you know, it's like, great. You know, I got the movie theater edition. I didn't get the extended edition. So like, you know, like I have missed so much. And it's just like, I have to go back and relearn like so much and unlearn so much because like, it feels like everything I've been taught about the Bible um, has been, uh, has just been one narrative and it's just been one aspect and it's um, a very multifaceted topic. And I've just, you know, spent 25 plus years just learning one facet of a very multifaceted um, topic. And it's just like, thanks guys. Thanks. So helpful. Really makes me a well-rounded person. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, I think part of the reason that there is this one narrative that's openly just wrong in so many ways, incomplete at minimum, uh, but incomplete to the point that I would argue is just wrong. And somebody came up with this and intentionally lied about it. Somebody knew and somebody lied about it. The reason, the reason they misrepresented it is they wanted to hold the Bible as sacred. And for some people to acknowledge that there are differences and uh, corrections and edits over time, it would be to negate what it means for something to be sacred. For, for certain people, the only way for the book to be sacred is to is for them to say this is all from God in the way that it currently is, and that's just inaccurate. But but if to give that up would be to also to open oneself up to saying I have been wrong about so many things. Yeah, a lot of people don't like admitting that they have been wrong, and I don't know if that feels like it feels very um, it's so unscientific because like science, it's like we're expected, like if we write a paper, we write a manuscript, then we send it for peer review and you get the peer reviews and you get those edits. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to revise and then you get it again. And sometimes they're just like, you know, minor revisions. And sometimes they're like, do whole new experiments. And it's mm-hmm. just, um, it's very like, you can't expect a, you can't expect a product to just be like, you know, perfect from the get go. Like that's just not, um, how things generally work you know it's not perfect from the very first time and like it just seems like if it is perfect like how do you know that's not a fluke Mm -hmm. you know that's very I guess it's part of my science and also like my writing knowledge is just like you can't you know like as much as I'd love to just like have the first draft that's just like this is perfect I can just turn this in not saying that I you know of course I've never done that before um (laughs) you know like it's just like you can't just saying like it's perfect the way it is it happened the way it is it's just like it's okay for things you know like things improve like Lord of the Rings like you know you improve and you work on it and feel like the more time and energy and efforts that's spent on something you know would actually um strengthen your argument about it and why it's important instead of just you know if you're hiding things about it and saying like, Oh no, it's perfect. Even these, these are errors or, you know, typos or whatever. This is, this is the way it was intended. It's just like, it's okay for mistakes to happen. And like yeah. hiding that just is like suspicious. It's, it's, it's a political decision to a specific group of people who tends to be conservative is 
the group of people that argues that the Bible is inerrant and cannot be changed, which means that this decision, as you're saying, it's it, it can't be edited, it can't be changed, because to admit it would be to say maybe conservatism is wrong. Conservatism what? as it currently exists is wrong. What? Conservatism is wrong? <laughs> the way it currently exists is problematic and harmful at yeah. times? What? Well, <gasps> it's always problematic and harmful when you think, oh, well, less than 70 years ago, I, I think less than 60 years ago, Black people in the United States basically couldn't vote. Uh, yeah, that is very yeah. problematic and wrong. Right. And so to say, you know, to, to go back to the last few years, uh, make America great again. And this idea of great again is for Donald Trump, who was, uh, I think he's 70 something, which means he'd have been in his teens during the civil rights movement and probably in his 20s when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Ugh. Say make America great again for him is throwing back to those early nostalgic days of actually when black Things people. Were, yeah, not great. Yeah, Jim Crow was in place. Right. And so it, in the end, to say we want to go back to the past, you know, before gay people could be married, uh, because, and again, you have this, you're supposed to have the separation of church and state, but the only reason gay people shouldn't, weren't allowed to be married is for Christian reasons. Of course. I mean, separation of church and state is basically just like church don't have to pay taxes, but everything else is very church related and very church driven, which is why I really yeah. loved how the satanic temple, um, <laughs> yes. I loved everything they were doing with the Texas, the heartbeat law, the abortion ban. Oh, was just like, oh what are they doing with the abortion ban? Because I know that they're they're starting after school yeah. programs because uh, if, because some Christian groups are allowed to hold after school programs in public schools, so legally the Satanic Church is a lot has to be allowed to as well. That's what are you so talking about? Interesting. They're doing that. I just googled. Um, according to the internet so it must be true i don't know about this website it's called the new statesman anyways in january 5th of this year the satanic temple is still fighting for abortion rights oh of course they are yeah. um and and for everyone listening the satanic temple does not worship satan does not believe satan exists they're just trolling you with that name. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's totally just like, they're just trying to get all the, the, the Christian rights. They're 100% just like trolls and like, you know, yeah. they're really like all their tenants. They're, they're actually like, trying to start something. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, but, like, yeah. it's like, you know, poking. It's like, you know, well, if you can get a religious exemption for this, then we can get a religious exemption for this. And then people are like, oh, yeah. no you can't because it's so satan and it's just like okay so yeah. it's not about religious exemption it's about christianity right and yeah. and so one of their things is uh pointing out the inherent flaws in what we consider religion because as i mentioned earlier religion didn't exist in the way we think about it a few hundred years ago if you were to say so so actually in a lawsuit um a judge asked the satanic temple where in their sacred texts uh, it says that uh, they have to do such and such or they can't do such and such, right? But mm -hmm. that foregrounds this, uh, or that, that says that you have to have a sacred text. Yeah. Which is actually there were uh, in Hinduism and uh, the uh, quote unquote Parsi religion, 
didn't have sacred texts in the way that we think of them, right? So, so we just did a whole history of the Bible prior to uh, colonialism. These were just sort of like important maybe texts, but most people hadn't been able to hear about them. They couldn't do apologetics on them. They couldn't, they, they probably, most people probably didn't even know they existed. So religion is framed this, in the context of what Christianity is and then everything else is forced to put into that, the box right. of what Christianity yeah. is. And when it doesn't yeah, fit, it's, it's like, oh, this isn't a real religion. Yeah. So then you have people seeking, Christians seeking religious exemptions uh, from vaccines. And if everything goes the way it should, they, sh- uh, they should Did just be able them? to, they should be rejected, yeah. right? Because it's not in your text. No, it's not. It's stupid. It's, it's not anywhere stated in your theology. No Jehovah's Witnesses? Yes, it is stated. Christian scientists? I believe uh, it might not be stated, but it can be reasonably implied. And Christian scientists aren't like real scientists. Right. <laughs> I just want to, like, a... you know, in case people haven't, you know, like done the research or like listen to Ross and Carrie, um, mm-hmm. other fabulous podcast. Um, they're not, they're not like real scientists. Because mm, Christian scientists um, should get the vaccine because they're scientists. Mm-hmm. I'm very yeah. passionate about this. Uh, like everyone should get vaccines. Yeah, everyone should get vaccines for free. That's that's the more important part. So uh, another question. So now what do we do with with the Bible? Um, this well. is this is a question from my aunt. So now what do we do? Uh, definitely not watch my cat playing with a stick, which is what I'm doing instead. I mean, you can do that too. Uh, it's great. Um, you might hear him meowing because he's playing with his stick. And then also my other cat, Vin, is um, puffing bleach under the sink because that's what she does. Mm-hmm. And he's upset that she's hiding. Um, what do we do <laughs> with this new knowledge of the Bible? That's a, I mean, like, I feel like I need to find a different version of the Bible to read with like, (laughs) with like the 80, 81 books instead of the 66 books and like read that. And, but there's like, just like, it feels like there's just so much I need to do. And like, just, I think starting with like reading alternative versions of the Bible Mm -hmm. with like the 88 books, 80, 81 books, not 88, with the 81 books and just like reading that and seeing what's different. And then at the same time, I'm like, that's like, a big project. I'm like, that's a Josh <laughs> yeah. project. You know, I could, at, Josh could do that. You could do that, Josh. And uh, yeah. I could just text you and be like, yo, what is the difference? And mm-hmm. I could do my science, but um, you know, what I should do is, you know, actually like, you know, read, um, find a version of the Bible that is the 81 books and not the 66 books and like read and compare and just kind of like figure out and like, but then also like get from different publishers because then they're all different and just, mm-hmm. there's just so much. And then, um, well, uh, as a note stuff. to that, yes, a note to that. So there are quote unquote, multiple different publishers. There are fewer publishers than you think. Oh no. Uh, some own others. Oh. And right. So so the people that published the new revised standard version, which is mm-hmm. the scholarly standard, if you're citing something and you're not translating it yourself, it's expected that you cite from the new revised standard version. Uh, but also, HarperCollins owns Zondervan, which publishes the new international version. But they have only 66 books. 
and Collins put right. the 81 books back. Right. So, so why do they have some with 66 and some with 81? Because Zonderband is publishing for a certain group of people. Oh my God. And HarperCollins is publishing for a different group of people. Okay. Okay. So it's, 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 you know, they say not to pick and choose like the scripture verses, but it's like pick and choose your Bible to yeah. cherry pick your scripture verses. So you're not. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. okay. Okay. I see. I see. How I mean, that's is. what, that's what Cookson did, right? Oh yeah. That's yeah. what, you know, um, I mean, every religious, um, well, most every religious organization that I've interacted with, they definitely, um, cherry pick verses and, um, they like to focus on verses that are just like, you know, um, but focus on like sin and not love. And they know they're like, mm-hmm. well, this is, you know, Paul says this and they kind of forget about Jesus saying, you know, love everyone, but they're very focused on what's a sin and what's not. So you yeah. can cherry pick your version. So your verses are picked for you already. Lovely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how things go. Uh, the, the Bible is very political. In, mm-hmm. in its existence yeah or I guess bible yeah i mean bible. i knew it was i knew it was very political but i guess i didn't realize how much had already been put into it political mm-hmm. po- politically wise pol- whatever politically yeah. wise um so that's a lot and this is like i could you know like research this and then like start um bringing it up with certain you know relatives or you know like my good old trump or uncle um but mm-hmm. like also, there's, you know, I'm like, this, I don't think that would be a very receptive audience, per se. No. And that is that is part of the issue, is uh, you have to be willing to listen to say, to people who say, the Bible's not what you think it is. It's... The Bible isn't even the Bible. It is multiple Bibles and multiple texts that people have taken together and tried to sew together a version. Yeah. And so many people just aren't receptive because they've, you know, grown up with you know this one specific thing and like just I feel like they get intimidated by like having to learn everything or like you know mm-hmm. they've um you know had like trauma recovery that's been based upon you know the bible and like just it's been such a foundation for them and so yeah. like disrupting that foundation um is just so scary and just like they they don't want to do it and it's just easier to um ignore what's being said and do you know just like bury your hand bury your head in the sand and um right not be willing to listen and to um be open to change but like that's the nature of the world and like you know um you you can't just you know god isn't a stagnant god and if you just like bury your head in the sand and like aren't willing to learn more then you're no longer following god because god is not a god of stagnation and so, mm-hmm. like, if you're being stagnant, you're not following God. So um, I do have issue with people who are just like, well, that's not what my Bible says. And that's not my God. So I'm not going to listen to you because this is God and God. And like, and stop, like, just it's OK to, like, question things. And people mm-hmm. so often think that questioning is wrong because you don't want to be a doubting Thomas. You have to just yeah. believe 100 percent all the time anything that's religious and about Jesus, because if you doubt, then, um, then that's bad. And it's just like, okay, stop giving Thomas a bad rap. Like I would also be like, yeah, okay. Prove you're still Jesus. You know, like I did see you die. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting evidence. And yet, um, 
it's it's often seen as bad and see right. having questions and asking questions is also seen as bad and that's dumb yeah and i think it's also important to remember that that number one something is sacred because a group of people decides to call it sacred a group of people comes together and decides this is meaningful we can learn from this we can grow from this this is useful for us and helping us understand god and i i personally believe that However, the, the Bible was originally written, or not the Bible, the different things that would eventually become the Bible were written, they were genuinely probing interactions with uh, God in some way. Text that we have now is about humans trying to understand interactions with God and life and everything. And so it's okay to just say humans made this. But they were, in a sense, inspired. Humans were inspired by their interactions with the deity yeah. to write these texts. And in that way, it is inspired by God. Yeah, and that's so cooler. That's like it's also so much cooler. And also it also um it gives it's less um Christian superiority and like yeah. Christian supremacy because instead of like going, oh, this is about the one true God and he's better than all the other gods. And, you know, cause the other, you know, they do like think other religious texts are like, they're just trying to fill that hole, that Jesus side mm-hmm. hole in their heart. But it's just like humans are just, they're trying to um, find meaning in the world and, you know, probing for deity, like you said. And if we just put it like that, it's much more, um, I feel like it's just much more opening and accepting and being like, this is, you know, the struggles of, you know, like certain people and this mm-hmm. is how they have done it. And, you know, we have found meaning in this throughout the years. And like, but there's also other ways that people have found meaning in sacred texts. Like, you know, um, i trying to think, but I don't know a lot of sacred texts. I don't know <laughs> the Bible because yay. So there's like, the Quran. Yeah, the Quran. I was thinking, I was like, what's the Buddhist sacred text? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Buddha. I know a lot of people. Um, I've got some good friends who, you know, they like. I find more out of. I find more spiritually out of following the teachings of Buddha than by reading the Bible. And I'm like, good for you. Like that's awesome. Like you know, if you get that, that's that's fine. That's great. If you you know finding what resonates with you and what helps you, because I feel like, you know, you know, like I'm also treading heretical here, but like if you find something that helps you to connect to yourself and connect to the world and connect to other people and find meaning and be able to help people and not harm people, like that's awesome. And you do, you know, however that works, you do you because um, I would much rather spend time with someone who, you know, doesn't believe in God or, you know, like, um, I mean, I, I find much more value like spending time with people of different thoughts than me than when people who are like, I'm Christian and uh, Jesus had a gun and was Republican. It's just like, no, yeah. come on. Like, you're right. not, I've, I've met so many people who are the, the types of Christians who use Christianity to oppress other people and use the Bible to oppress other people. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I mean, that's, if, you know, that's just not good. Yeah. That reminds me of a conversation I had with my mom where uh, I was on some dating apps and I mentioned that anytime I see somebody who the very first thing they write in their profile is, 
I am a Christian or I only want to marry a Christian or whatever, I immediately say no because, and she didn't get this for whatever reason, but if it's the very first thing you say, then you care more about somebody saying I am a Christian than actually being a good person. Yeah. Yeah. If, it, if it's the first thing that you say, uh, you, you are signaling to me, whatever. And, and there are bad people who say that they are Christians and there are good people who say that they are atheists. And it's not for us, it's not up to us to decide whatever. Just <laughs> merely saying, do not judge lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. To judge somebody as to say, oh, you're Christian, you are good enough or whatever. That itself is saying you can't just judge someone and say, oh, because you're Christian or because you're not Christian. Yeah. You're going to heaven or not because it's not up to you. And you are judging according to the criteria of I mentally assent to God's existence and Jesus's existence and Jesus's resurrection. Like you can do that and still be an absolutely atrocious person. That also is like, I don't know. I feel also like those are people who, um, because we were always taught, I don't know, I don't remember if you ever, were you ever taught about missionary dating and not to do missionary dating? Uh, missionary is a fun word, but uh, I don't think so. Oh, so like we were taught not to do um, missionary dating, which is dating someone who's God, not every a Christian. time you say that. And... <laughs> Sorry, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yes, okay. yes, no. <laughs> I know missionary know what you're talking dating. Sorry, about. continue. No, it's it's well, missionary dating probably leads to the missionary position. Um missionary dating is when you it's it's dating someone who is not a Christian in order to convert them. And uh, um we were always taught, we as in I guess the other um side female birth people in my classes mm-hmm. um were taught. I was taught that too. Okay, so you were. So I guess as all the kids yeah. are taught not to date someone who isn't Christian because um, mm-hmm. they're going to lead you away. And it's just like, you know, you're going to be led astray because a man is, um, what is it? It's like a proverb, like the company of a man, his friends lead them astray or whatever. You know, like he something. who is in the company of fools is a fool himself or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, it's just like, there is a thing about like, you know, missionary dating and like, you don't want that. And so you have to date Christian. So it's like, you need to go to Christian mingle or, you know, something mm-hmm. that's just very much Which, um, perpetuating the same ideas and just like right. getting it all closer. But it's also like, okay, like, I don't know if your faith is so weak that you're going to be shaken in your faith by like somebody else, like one, that's not a healthy relationship. Um, if no one's, if both people's, if their values aren't being respected. Um, mm-hmm. But like, no, it's just it's just like okay um maybe go to like one of those christian dating apps yeah also uh, also uh if if you're told not to uh, date anybody except christians and that implies also don't be friends with anybody who aren't christians which then again creates that circle of people there is a proverb uh, about that i know i'm like stuck in my head yeah there are several proverbs about lots of things. Yeah. Oh, so whoever anyway. walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion companion of fools will suffer harm. That is proverbs. I just read it off the internet. Um, thirteen twenty. Also, yeah. that's not even about Christians. It was written hundreds of years, possibly over a thousand years before Christians existed. So, like, the proverbs are applicable to everyday life, Josh. 
I mean, sure, they also disagree with each other. So yeah, I mean, they're they're yeah, you're there, you know, like the the biblical horoscope, whatever. Yeah. Well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for sharing that, Josh. I have a lot to uh, think on and read on <laughs> and uh, first find a, a new Bible to um, that one that doesn't have gum wrappers in it and two that has 81 books. Well, that's if, if you want to dig into that. If you, I want to dig into that, to. you know, well, my um, general exam for my PhD degree. So like, it's essentially like my master's degree. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I don't get a master's out of it. But if I drop out of the program after I pass this exam, then I get a master's, but I'm not going to do that. Anyways, that exam just started. So like I might, you know, because I will 100% <laughs> find things to like procrastinate on. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Gosh, I have to do my comprehensive comprehensive exams later this year, I think. Ooh. Maybe early 2023. Ooh. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, my exam. I have to take a German and French test first. A German and French? Yeah, two different tests. Is it in German and in French? Yeah. I didn't know you were learning German and French. I didn't know, yeah. Oh, I thought you just knew like Hebrew and Latin. And Greek. And Greek. No, I have to take tests to prove that I am competent enough. Uh, It's supposed, it's, I'm choosing German and French. There there are a few languages that I can Mm -hmm. choose from. I'm choosing German and French uh, because it's pretty much the standard, um, such as uh, I, uh, Suzanne Scholz has printed several arg- uh, articles in German only in German publications, and there's French uh, for philosophy as well. So, so before biblical studies, currently it's really focused around English-speaking groups. Mm-hmm. Um, Germans are sort of doing their thing which is a little bit different than what a lot of people are doing now but uh, before that it was biblical studies was really focused in german and french i did not know that that's really cool yeah so you gotta gotta be able to talk about those things and be able to cite those authors there'll be times i haven't gotten this but somebody will say you need to cite more german authors whenever you submit a publication yeah that's crazy I don't, I think most scientific papers are like, there's an English version out there or um, those are the ones that I read. Yeah. I mean, we're all limited uh, what we can do. Yeah. I feel like, no, I've definitely read papers who are like from like French groups and, but the papers are either like translated in PubMed or they are um, Mm -hmm. also submitted English to like, because they submit to an English speaking journal. Yeah. But that's really cool. I did not know that. German and French, and then you're comprehensive. Ew. Yeah. We'll have a lot of time to do this then, because we'll both be procrastinating. Yeah. Woo. And, you know, classes are going to be done for me at the end of this semester. Nice. So, yeah. Same for here, actually. Like, I just have research. And usually yeah. I have research and I shouldn't have 13 hour days, but you know, there'll be one of those every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you ready to end this off? Let's sign off. Thank you guys so much for um, joining and listening with us and unlearning with us. Um, you can email us at unlearningchildhood.podcast.com. No, wait, Josh, unlearning, help. Uh, podcast at unlearningchildhood.com yes yeah um 
And uh, thank you to Kai Jorgensen for intro and outro for the song Coffee and Cigarettes. And hopefully, eventually, uh, Deer or Deer Bits on Twitter uh, for creating our uh, podcast picture. Yes, we are supporting their Yeet the Teat campaign fundraiser. So um, you should go check them out. Super cool. You should go support them. Um, even if their campaign has ended, hopefully they got enough to eat that teat. Yeah. Um, but big shout out to them and to Kai. Yeah. I think that is it. New cool. cool catchy sign off. We'll come up with it eventually. <laughs> Let's unlearn something cool new catchy... today. <laughs> we don't even have a catchy sign on yet. So I'm always like, I'm Justin McElroy. Wait, too many podcasts. <laughs> I'm the oldest brother. I'm Justin no. McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. I'm big dog. Woof woof. Oh wait, it's not that year. It's 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 a different year now. It's no longer 2021. Yes, it's uh 20 banjo kazooies. No, it's it's uh 20 rendezvous. Flight take fancy. Fancy take flight flight take fancy. 20 nope. rendezvous, flight take fancy. Something like that. Fancy, fancy take flight. Take, fancy take flight, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys right. so much. Bye. Okay. Bye. Now I'm going to um, get back.